can open the Bible, if you would, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 5. I just came back from Puerto Rico. I went down for a meeting with one of my preacher friends to help him celebrate his 40th anniversary in his church. And I hesitated on telling you that I learned a little Spanish while I was down there. I learned how to say good morning. I thought I'd work it out on you here. Feliz Navidad. I hesitated because if you didn't know anything about Spanish at all, you might think, well, that's how you say that, huh? That is not good morning. I heard about a guy that he walked up to this Jewish man. He said, uh, excuse me, sir, but what time is it? And he didn't answer him. He said, uh, excuse me, sir, but what time is it? He wouldn't answer him. He said, mister, why won't you tell me what time it is? He said, friend, if I tell you what time it is, I'll have to befriend you. And if I befriend you, I have to invite you home. And if I invite you home, I have to feed you dinner. And if I feed you dinner, you'll meet my daughter. And if you meet my daughter, you'll want to marry her. And I don't want my daughter marrying anybody who can't afford a watch. <laughs> that one sort of sneaks up on you a little bit. My wife last night, ever since she had the two strokes, it left her somewhat weak, and uh, she doesn't walk funny or any of that kind of thing. But sometimes if she gets up wrong, she turns her foot. Months ago, she got up wrong, and she turned her left foot. Last night, she got up wrong and turned her right foot. So uh, when I left this morning, she was on the couch. I'd gotten her some ice to put on it. Hopefully, that would help it. I would appreciate your prayers for her, if you would, please. It's good to be back in your Sunday school class today. It's always good to be with Pastor Bill and uh, the folks here at Gospel Baptist. And uh, you all have something going. Just don't ever take that for granted. And uh, you must uh, stay at it, everlastingly at it. In Mark's Gospel, Chapter 5, this story is found three times in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark gives us the most detailed account. I'm just going to read the first few verses before we go to where our text verse is because you need to see the context to be able to appreciate what the Lord told this man to do. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains. And in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Of course, the Lord Jesus cast those demons out of the man. And the Bible says in verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they saw that they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. But when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now I'll give you three quick facts about the Lord. The Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, 
and his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, thank you for the opportunity to open the Bible and look in the forever settled in heaven word of God. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, stir us up. We pray for our country today. Lord, how we need thee. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, you would hear from heaven, forgive our sin and heal our land. We need those things, oh God. I pray you touch Pastor Bill, touch his ear, and heal him. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 5 is really the chapter of the God of the impossible. There's a man who is uh, mentally, he's deranged. Emotionally, he's disturbed. Physically, he's destructive. Spiritually, he's dominated by evil spirits. Nobody could help this man until Jesus showed up. In this chapter is a woman who's had an issue of blood for 14 years. She has spent all that she has on doctors, but was none the better, but worse. I'm reminded of the widow woman who had given all her living down at the temple, and Jesus took note of that. Here's a woman who had spent all her living and didn't help her out at all. But the two, the woman who gave all, turned out a whole lot better. And then in this chapter, there is a man who has a daughter who is sick, and she died. Nobody could raise her from the dead until Jesus showed up and healed the woman with the issue of blood and raised the young lady from the dead. He is the God of the impossible. This is the God who said, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh, that we just had enough faith to believe that. To take all of our burdens and cast them on the Lord. Jesus crossed the sea and weathered a storm. So much so that the disciples thought, We're not going to make it. But you always make it when Jesus is on board. And so when they got there in the country of the Gadareans, there was a man there who had major problems. Now the Gadareans were known for their hog business. What's amazing about that, in the Old Testament there were two and a half tribes, the tribe of Reuben, half tribe of Manasseh, and the tribe of Gad, who said, Lord, could we stay over on the east side of the Jordan River and not go over? They asked that to Moses, and Moses asked the Lord, and he said, well, you can if you'll go over and help us settle our land. And do you know why they wanted to stay over on the east side? They said it is a good place to raise, remember what the animal was? Cattle. Do you know what the animal is now? Pigs. Did you know that in the Bible that a cattle is a good animal? They have a cloven hoof, and they chew the cud. A pig is an unclean animal. He has a cloven hoof, but he doesn't chew the cut. But one day I was thinking, how do you go from raising hogs to raising heifers to raising hogs? Somewhere, somebody made a decision. And you have to live with the decisions that you make. You see, that's the problem with this man in our text. How did he get to where he was, where he had probably a couple thousand evil spirits in him, that he would cut himself and live day and night crying out and in the mountains and in the cemetery and run around with no clothes on, screeching. He was one unholy terrorist. How did he get that way? Was he born that way? Well, he's born a sinner, but 
He got to where he was by a series of choices that he made. God has given us the freedom to choose. You can choose choices, but you cannot choose the consequences of choices. And you learn that sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay a whole lot more than you want to pay. That's this man. This man whose life is all messed up until one day Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, cast the devils out of this man. The Lord came to him. He converted him. He cleansed him. He calmed him. He cleaned him. He commissioned him. There are three requests made by some entity to Jesus in this chapter. One is, the pig said, would you let us go into, or the, the evil spirit said, would you let us go into those pigs, those hogs? And Jesus granted that request. After this ordeal of the man being cleansed of the evil spirits, the city of the, of the Gadareans came out and they requested, they prayed Jesus to leave. Jesus granted that request. But the text that we are going to focus in on in just a moment is a man who requested of Jesus, can I go with you? I, just, I don't want to leave you. Lord, nobody's done for me what you've done for me. And Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. I want you to go home and tell them what God's done for you. Isn't it amazing that this city of the Gadareans have been relieved of this problem that they have had probably for a few years? Who is safe in that part of the, of the country where they were? This man could attack them whether they were walking through the cemetery or go out to bury somebody or they were on the mountain or happened to go down by the sea. Uh, this guy was, uh, he was an unknown entity. Obviously, he was very hurtful. And Jesus helped that city be relieved of that problem. You would have thought they would have with welcomed arms, welcome Jesus! You can stay as long as you want to. We'll put you up in the nicest hotel, give you the finest food, the finest restaurants. The, the key to the city is yours. You'd think they would do something like that. But they didn't. They said, we don't want you around. You see, if Jesus were to rid them of their hog business, which was an unclean business for Jewish people, and they may not have been their business, but they may have been involved in another business that was a bad business, you know, if Jesus were to show up at Fort Myers or Bonita Springs or Naples or this area and have free reign, not everybody would be happy about that. Because there's a lot of businesses who make their profits on the sins and vices of people. Beer would go, liquor would go, drugs would go, pornography would go, prostitution would go. It would go on and on. You think about how much money is made by people by those vices. They don't want Jesus around. It's amazing how sometimes moms and dads, they'll cry and beg God, Lord, my kid's on drugs. Would you please, Lord, do what you got to do, get him off of drugs? And they'll, but then the kid gets saved. And his life is radically changed. What's wrong with you, son? You used to be such a nice kid. Now you've been radicalized by Jesus. There are a lot of people, they can handle dysfunction, but they cannot handle redemption. They're sort of used to dysfunction. 
But not everybody's used to redemption. And so they don't want Jesus around them. But this man was eternally grateful. God had so changed his life. And then he gave him a commission. And he said, I'm not going to take you with me. But I want you to go home. Just go home. Go home. And tell your friends how great things God hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he went and he began to publish through Decapolis. Now Luke 8.39 says he went through the whole city where he was. Now the whole city is one city. Decapolis is ten cities. Decapolis. The Decalogue is the Ten Commandments. The Decapolis, Polis is a city. The Decapolis would be ten cities. Here's a guy who went home, and he started there. Then he went to his friends. Then he went to the whole city. And then he went to the ten cities. This wild man became a wonderful witness. This maniac became a powerful missionary. You know, sometimes people think if they surrender their life, and they want to serve God, he's going to find the remotest part on the planet of earth and send them there. When in reality, for the most part, God just wants you to go home and tell them. If you get saved, go home and tell them. See, if there's been a change and a difference, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The people that you live with and that you are the closest with, they will notice that difference. I was in the United States Navy. I was 19 years old. I bumped into a sailor who was a cook. Everybody has to eat. I'd go through the child line. It's a small base. And he'd witness to me. And when I got saved because of his witness and going to a little church and some of the people that he had led to Christ and their witness in my life, when I got saved, the first thing I wanted to do was I wrote a letter home and told my dad and my mom that I got saved. I even in that letter thanked my dad for all the spankings he ever gave me. Can you? I must have gotten saved, surely. And I even told him, I think you missed a few opportunities as well. But I wanted them at home to know that I had gotten saved. So you, God just wants you to go home and tell them. And then tell your friends. And then tell your city. And then launch out from there. You just go home and you tell them how great things God has done for you. In your mind right now, can you think of some of the great things that God's done for you? I just heard your pastor say a while ago, while he was getting ready this morning, he was thanking God that he didn't, wasn't in the hospital. When you think about when you get saved, you can thank God you'll never go to hell. You're on your way to heaven. God has written your name down in heaven. He has given you the gift of the Spirit of God. He has given you the word of God. He has given you a church. He has given you friends. God has been so good to us. Just go home and tell them how great things God has done for us. And that's not even scratching the surface on how good God is to us. And hath had compassion on thee. If you would have taken a poll, you probably had this happen in your school. They do a little thing about who's most likely to succeed, who's the most likely to do whatever, and who's most likely to whatever. If you would have taken some kind of a survey poll 
in the country of Gadaria. And uh, somehow you could have convinced those people, we need to find out who is the one person in our area that could affect all of these cities. I'll guarantee you the wild man would have been, his name wouldn't have been on the list. He wouldn't even have been a consideration. Nobody would have picked him. But Jesus did. He was available. And uh, he said, I want you to go home and tell him. Tell him how much God loves you. Who, who else loved that guy? Uh, the Bible seems to indicate if he has a home, maybe he has a wife, maybe he has children, he has friends. There was a time, do you think those people loved him? They probably started out loving him. And then when he started taking advantage of them, and he started using them, and maybe whatever he did to abuse them, they lost that love for this guy. As far as they were concerned, they had written him off. It's over for this guy. Until Jesus showed up. Nobody loves us. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your spouse, not your children, not your pastor. Not your, nobody loves you like God loves you. Chan McMillan pastored here in the state of Florida for a number of years. and He's a great guy. He's a, just a super guy. He's a preacher. And uh, he's always, he calls it grazing in the Bible. He's always grazing in the Bible. And sometimes he'll write me a little note and talk about where he'd been grazing and this kind of thing. But he came up with this little thought, and he, he made up these signs. You could put them in your yard, and it says, all it says is, God really does love you. And he would go to restaurants and they'll come over and take his, his uh, order, and he'd say, can I tell you something? Oh, yeah. God really does love you. And he has some interesting stories to tell about people who heard that message. God really does love you. How many people are told that somebody loves them? Anybody tell you today you loved them or they loved you? Maybe your spouse, maybe not. Maybe you haven't had that occasion yet. But uh, people just don't hear that all the time. Now today, this is a different day. This is a different day than when I grew up. I probably could count on one hand the times that my father, my daddy, told me he loved me. And I probably initiated those after I got saved. But I made up for that with our children. We're always telling them and my grandchildren that we love them. You do too. And today is, uh, people will always say uh, before they hang up, love you, goodbye. One of my deacons, he is an older guy, he's with the Lord now. Uh, one of the other officers in our church called and the deacon's wife answered the phone. She's talking to him. And uh, before she hangs up, she said, okay, love you, goodbye. And uh, she turned around and she said to her husband, I just told him I loved him. He said, well, call him back and tell him you don't. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between saying, love you, and looking somebody in the eye and saying, I love you. And, uh, but it's good to hear people say, love you. Uh, so uh, go tell them how that the Lord has had compassion. I was thinking that you folks have just had Grady McMurtry here for this meeting. What an opportunity for you to go home and tell your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors what you learned this week. You probably learned about the God of creation. You know, evolution and creation are big issues. 
and you probably learned some things that some other folks had never heard of before, you can just go home and tell them how your God created everything. And he made you. And he's still working on you. Just go home and tell them. Uh, you know, to give a testimony, and everybody has one. If you're saved, you have a testimony. And to give a testimony is to tell three things. One, you tell them what your life was like before you got saved. Two, you tell them how you got saved. Three, you tell them the difference in your life since you've been saved. Does that make sense? That is so simple. Now, here's a guy who didn't have an opportunity to go to Bible college. There were no Bible colleges in the country of Gadara. Here's a guy that didn't get to go to church to a soul winning class. He didn't get to go to a seminar. He didn't have the sword of the Lord. He didn't have anything else. He didn't have some place that has a tractor act like you all have with all kinds of soul winning materials. He didn't have anything. But he was to go home and tell what God did for him. So has God done anything for us? Sure he has. If you're saved, he has. Just go home and tell him what God's, and how that God loves you. Here's a guy that didn't have a seminar, didn't have soul winning class, but he began to tell people at home. He told his friends, he told the whole city, and he told the Decapolis, the, Decapolis, the ten cities, what God had done for him. You know, God just wants us to be a witness. A witness is someone who tells the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Sort of like your Bible thing up there. Uh, you just tell what you know. You don't have to tell what you don't know. Matter of fact, it's better off if you don't tell what you don't know or try to be bigger than you really are, but you can tell them what God's done for you and what you were like before that. You remember when the Apostle Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9? Three times in the book of Acts, he gives his testimony. Three times he told them what God done for him. Now, the most powerful one of those three testimonies is found in chapter 26 of the book of Acts. He is standing before some very powerful people. The movers and shakers of that area were in this meeting. And they bring Paul out, and he's in chains. Clinkety-clink, clinkety-clink, clink-clink, in chains. And uh, Festus said, Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And he addressed the king, Agrippa, by name, more than once in that chapter. And he said he was happy to speak for himself. And he gave his testimony. And he said, you know, I lived, as these would testify if they had that opportunity, I lived a Pharisee. Wasn't that he practiced a little bit? He lived a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. And uh, so he told what he was like. And then he told how that he was on his way with documents in his robe pockets to put Christians in jail, maybe consent to their death. And he saw a light brighter than the noonday sun. It wasn't the sun. It was a light brighter than that. God is light. And he's brighter than the sun. And he was smitten down. And I said, who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus. Now, one day I got excited about that. You know, you and I believe that Jesus is God. God is Jesus manifest in the flesh. So here is Jesus 
or the Paul meeting God, and he sees the Lord, and he asks the Lord, who are you? And the Lord said, remember Paul said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now, my thought was, do you think the Lord knows who he is? Well, he said he was Jesus. And so if the Lord said he was Jesus, then he was Jesus. And Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So he told how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and the Lord changed his life. And then he said, here's how my life has been different since then. Here's what I've been doing. I've been witnessing to small and great. I've been telling everybody that God wants to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And uh, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I've been telling this story, what God has done for me. And it was so powerful that Festus just hollered up, Paul, much learning doth make thee mad. Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. I speak the words of truth and soberness. Even the Agrippa knows he believes the prophets. This thing was not done in a corner. This was very visible and very uh, public. And he said to Agrippa, Believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. And here is what Agrippa said. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now I've heard guys say that Agrippa is sort of snickering. <laughs> You're trying to make a Christian of me. <laughs> In my spirit, as I've read that chapter numbers of times, I will assure you Agrippa is not in a snickering mood. He has never, ever, like this one moment, been confronted with eternal issues like he is right now. Now, the Herods in the Bible, from the first Herod who killed all the babies when Jesus was born, to the Herod that beheaded John the Baptist, to the others, if you were to study those lives, here's one of those Herods, Herod Agrippa. Here is one of those Herods who comes down to, the, to his life, and he is saying, probably Felix Trimble, when he got a witness from Paul, and probably this guy is saying, you almost persuaded. And Paul said, I would that you are not only almost, but altogether such as I am, except these bonds. I wouldn't want you in chains. And Agrippa said, when they had their little consultation, this man might have been set at liberty had he not appealed to Caesar. Here's what my point is. God wants us to go home and tell people. You tell them, you tell them again, and you tell them again. And you tell them again, well, maybe they won't listen. Well, Paul told that guy, and he didn't get saved. He kept telling. He kept talking. And he kept witnessing. And God wants us to do the very same thing. Just to tell people what God's done for you. And have had compassion on them. So here's a guy who got a good dose of old-time Bible salvation. And he could... It's, you know, if you get saved, it's like the measles. Measles have a way of popping out on you. It's, hide, it's hard to hide the measles. It's hard to hide the fact that if Jesus is in you. And so he said, go home. 
two requests were granted, but this one wasn't. No, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go home and tell people what God's done for you. Now, this may be a little thing, but he said, go tell them how great things God had done for thee and had had compassion on thee. And he went and told how great things Jesus had done for him and had compassion on him. But since you and I believe that Jesus is God, he did go tell them what God had done for him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? When's the last time you told somebody what God's done for you? Now, I know in my own life, there have been times in my life when I was more evangelistic than I am right now. There were times that I sort of wanted to tell everybody. I ought to be more like that. But God has been good to us. We ought to ask, all of us ought to ask the Lord to help us to witness to someone real soon. At least to tell them what God's done for us. Lord, would you bless these people? Use them, Lord, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you one quick story. Lou Baldwin is a black man who was raised up in the D.C. area around Fairfax, Virginia. And Bud Calvert pastored the Fairfax Baptist Temple. And he led Lou Baldwin, the black guy, to the Lord. And Lou Baldwin came in. And he said, Pastor, what do I do next? Well, he got baptized. And he said, well, do you want to get on the... You just want to get in the lane or you want to get in the fast lane? He said, I want to in the fast lane. He said, okay, take these 100 verses and memorize them. And within like days, he had those 100 verses memorized. Okay, what do I do next? He said, well, memorize this 100 verse, these 100 verses. And there's a church in Fairfax, Virginia, a black church. Not, not just for black folks, but there's a church there that Lou Baldwin started and his son uh, pastors just because he got saved. And he wanted to go tell, and he got in the fast lane. God bless you. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.